Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Friday, October 23rd, and this is your FT News Briefing. Last night's U.S. presidential debate, contentious, but less chaotic than the first. And local races in Texas and elsewhere around the U.S. might not get as much attention as the presidential race, but they're just as important. I'll explain why. Plus, big news for the COVID-19 drug remdesivir and some not-so-great news for Intel. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Donald Trump and Joe Biden squared off on Thursday in the last scheduled debate before the U.S. presidential election. The tone was calmer and had more clear discussion than the first debate last month, but it was still combative. The candidates sparred over everything from coronavirus to American race relations. Just a few highlights, Biden said Trump had alienated U.S. allies and hasn't done enough to keep China in check on trade. He embraces guys like the thugs like in North Korea and the Chinese president and Putin and others, and he pokes his finger in the eye of all of our friends. We need to be having the rest of our friends with us saying to China, these are the rules, you play by them or you're going to pay the price for not paying by them. Trump defended his record on China and blamed Beijing for the spread of coronavirus. The topics turned to health care, where Trump accused Biden of wanting to socialize American medicine. He's talking about destroying your Medicare, and this whole country will come down. You know, Bernie Sanders tried it. He tried it in his state. President he's Biden a very confused guy. He thinks he's running against somebody else. He's running against Joe Biden. I beat all those other people because I disagreed with them. Joe Biden he's running against. The future of healthcare is important as coronavirus spikes around the U.S. The state of Texas, for example, reported on Thursday its biggest daily jump in new infections since late August and the highest level of hospitalizations in two months. And speaking of Texas, with 38 electoral votes, it carries a lot of weight in presidential elections, and it's been a Republican stronghold for decades. But things could be changing. It's possible that come November 3rd, local races in Texas and around the U.S. will have big repercussions for the country's national politics. Back with me now, as he is every Friday during the election, is Dmitry Sevastopoulos, our Washington bureau chief. Dmitry, why has Texas been so Republican for so long? So Texas is one of the most fascinating stories in America. You know, for about 100 years after the Civil War, it was democratic. But the Democrats in Texas were a bit more conservative than Democrats in other parts of the country. And then in the 1970s and 80s, when you had an oil boom and and you had a lot of conservatives who came in, they were looking for oil jobs, they were looking for lower taxes and less regulation. And Texas provided all of those. You know, then Ronald Reagan won Texas in 1980. And essentially, the Republicans have never looked back since then. In 2002, they finally gained control of the Texas House of Representatives for the first time in 130 years. And that helped them kind of solidify control over many parts of the politics in the state. And now they control all the big offices. They have a large majority in the Texas congressional delegation. They have both Texas Senate seats and the Republicans also control the governor's mansion. So it really is right now very, very red. You know, there are a handful of candidates on the Democratic side that think that this is their moment to turn the state blue. Why do they think that? You know, Donald Trump squeaked through in 2016 with about 52% in Texas, which is not very good for a Republican in that state. 
there has been dramatic demographic change in Texas over the last few decades that may have reached a tipping point that will favor the Democrats. Another big factor was in 2018, Beto O'Rourke, the former El Paso Democratic congressman, launched a long shot bid to oust Senator Ted Cruz. And, you know, as we talked about earlier, a Democrat hasn't been elected to the Senate since 1988. He came really close to beating Cruz. And more importantly, he kind of created this energy among Democrats in Texas and said, this is the first time in a long time that actually maybe you can do better than you think. So he kind of spurred people to get more involved. That led to more fundraising, both internally and outside from Texas. And then finally, you know, with Biden being so close to Trump in the polls, there's a lot of excitement. I and mean, I talked to a former head of the Republican Party in Texas, and he said to me that the Trump campaign and the Republican National Committee, which is kind of the national organization that decides which races to invest in, that they thought it was a lock for them and Trump would have no problem. But he said it's much closer than people realize. But, you know, you know, some of the Republicans you talk to, they're saying, you know, not so fast. This kind of optimism comes around during every election and the state still mostly stays red. Um, do Republicans still consider Texas a stronghold? So it kind of depends on, on what you're looking at. So because of redistricting that happened uh, over the last two decades for congressional seats, even if the Democrats do a little bit better this time, they won't be able to break the Republican lock on the Texas delegation in Congress until there's a next set of redistricting, which should happen next year. The contests that they're most fired up about are the state house races. So the Texas House of Representatives, the majority they lost in 2002, they think they can win that back. And so there's huge effort going into that. But the Republicans say, hold on a second, uh, these demographic changes have been happening for a long time. And, and if demographics voted, Texas would already be a democratic state. They also point out that, you know, for example, Donald Trump is actually doing better with Hispanics than Mitt Romney did in 2012 when he won Texas but lost the White House to Barack Obama. Yeah, th those races that you talk about are particularly interesting. Why are those battles so important this year? Well, the main reason is, uh, well, I guess two reasons. One is if you control the House of Representatives in your state, you have a big impact on the politics and the policy of your state. So that's one. But almost more important in the long term is after the U.S. has its census every 10 years, you have a redistricting so that the number of congressional seats in each, in each state mirrors any changes in the overall population. Texas has been growing very fast. So right now it has 36 congressional seats. After this current census, it's expected to probably get three more. And when you get more congressional seats, you get more of the what people call the electoral college votes that essentially determine the presidential election. So that's a big, big difference. It's a complicated system in Texas in terms of how you do the redistricting. But if you control the state house, you have much bigger sway. And so if the Democrats do win the state house back, that will be massively important for their efforts in the long term. Now, is this unique to Texas or, or is this everywhere? It's I mean, it's a little bit different in every state, but essentially it's the same factors that are playing out. And, you know, what was interesting is during the Obama administration, Obama got a lot of praise from Democrats for many of the things that he did. One of the things where some Democrats were not as enthusiastic with his performance was they felt that he didn't invest enough time and effort in helping Democrats around the country in these statehouse races. And as a result, over time, even though the Democrats control the White House and at, 
at a, yeah, they had the House of Representatives at one time. They were losing ground to Republicans in local and state races. And it's also very important for kind of developing a pipeline of candidates who can then step up to the state level or the national level. And so I think what's happening this time, in, in not just in Texas, there are groups who are pouring money into state house races around the country, trying to give the Democrats more of a foothold in some of these legislatures, you know, with the aim to kind of building the party, making it much stronger for the foreseeable future. Dimitri Sevastopilo is our Washington bureau chief. Thank you, Dimitri. Thanks, Mark. Gilead Sciences just got a big boost for its COVID-19 drug. The Food and Drug Administration yesterday granted regulatory approval to give hospitalized COVID-19 patients remdesivir. Now, because of an emergency use authorization, it meant that the antiviral was already being used to treat patients. And it was one of the drugs Donald Trump took when he had COVID. But some experts aren't 100% convinced remdesivir is effective. That's partly because of study results the World Health Organization released last week. The WHO found in its solidarity trial that the drug didn't do much to prevent patients from dying. It didn't do much to reduce hospital time or affect whether a patient needs a ventilator. And Intel walked away from its most recent quarter in rough shape. The U.S. semiconductor giant said earnings fell by nearly a quarter from a year ago because of the pandemic. Intel's data center group took a real beating. This is the area of the business that sells chips and processors to enterprise clients. It reported a 7.5% decline in revenue last quarter. Intel's enterprise and government business had a 47% drop in revenue. And it marks a second straight quarterly report with bad news for Intel. The company announced in July it was pushing back the launch for its next generation of chips by six months. Intel shares were down as much as 10% in after-hours trading yesterday. Before we go, things that blink, beep, and run on batteries lifted Mattel to its biggest increase in quarterly sales in a decade. With parents desperate to keep their kids entertained during the pandemic, Hot Wheels cars and Barbie dolls flew off the virtual shelves. Online sales rose 50% last quarter, but investors weren't playing around yesterday. Shares in Mattel jumped 7% in after-hours trading. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Fiona Simon and me, Mark Filipino. We had help from Gavin Coleman, Michael Bruning, and Amy Keene. Our theme song is by Metaphor Music. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 